Well, welcome, and, and welcome if you're visiting. It's so good to be together. It is rather nice uh, to have the two services together, which we have to do at Christmas, partly because a lot of people are away, but it's just so nice to have you all. And all just wave at me up in the balcony. Okay, now listen, you guys in the balcony, I, I want you to shout Merry Christmas. I'm, then I'm going to ask this lot to shout Merry Christmas, and we just see who does it louder. Okay, one, two, three. It's pretty good, you know, not bad, not bad. There's a few wimps up there, but that was pretty good, you know. Okay, now guys, show them how it's really done. One, two, three. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. You guys did very well. Give yourself a round of applause up there. That's wonderful. Okay, so it's finally here. I love the way Richard keeps saying he can't wait for tomorrow. Because Richard, I tell you, son, you're not going to get any sleep tonight because your lovely three girls are going to be up all night bouncing around. So let's see how lovely you think it is tomorrow, all right? Smug look, smug look. Mine are all grown up. I'm okay. Okay, well, listen, we... Uh, Mark and I had to do a bit of rethinking for various reasons, and we had to reconstruct uh, this, uh, this little series. It's called First Light, and uh, you know, I thought Mark did an outstanding job last week. If, if you didn't hear it, please do, you know, a little bit of time over the Christmas period, do listen to the podcast or the videocast. Mark did a great job setting this up. And, and, and really for me, this First Light thing is, is a, it's a, it's a natty title, but actually there's something dawning in me afresh. And, and I, I'm so thrilled to be able to share that with you because I've done a lot of Christmases now. I have done a lot. And I've led a lot of Christmases. And you kind of come to the Christmas story and you think, oh my gosh, you know, what, what, what can I do? How can I make this different? Maybe I'll do it through the eyes of the donkey or something like that, you know, uh, just to sort of get a fresh take on it, you know. But actually, you know, God has given me just, just so good. You're always learning, just giving me a fresh appreciation, a fresh revelation, if you like, of just what Jesus went through in order to become that baby. And so that's exciting me. And so I, I wanna just sort of pray and then we'll go through this. And, and my prayer is that if you need to know Jesus as, as the savior of Bethlehem, well then I pray that that will be God's gift to you this Christmas. But also, I've, if you need, if you've got that down, if you've got it, yeah, Jesus is my savior, well, God bless you. But also, you know, Jesus is Lord. And I think this year, it's been a tough year, a good year, but a tough year in many ways. But one of the things I think we've been beginning to learn is, is just more about the sovereignty of God. You know, in the reading that Mark you know, gave us last week, he just did a great job of unpacking that so that we could really meditate on that. But let me just pray now, and then we'll get straight into it. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you again for the gift of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you that you did not despise the prospect of being born as a baby, yes, in Bethlehem. Thank you, Lord, that you did not despise that, that you were willing to go through that, and all in the name of love, the love you carry within you. You are love personified. And it wasn't an easy ride for you. If this has been a tricky year for some of us, Lord, your whole life was a tricky life. Particularly those last three years, Lord Jesus, when you began to move into your ministry and Embrace the very thing that God had called you to do. And Lord, then it all ended up on the cross at Calvary. It seemed to be the ultimate defeat. God himself is crucified. 
And yet in that, in that abject defeat, so it would seem, was the greatest of victories. Because on that cross, you bore the sins of the world, the very thing that was our undoing, the very thing that separated us from God our Father. You took it upon yourself. You took and embraced death itself that we might have life. Thank you, Lord. And we give you all the glory. Give the Lord another round of applause. So one of the things that I've been doing is been looking at some of the less well-known readings. The reading I read at the end of the worship time, thank you guys for that. That was what I needed. That was wonderful. But I've been looking at the readings around that. And I've been finding that interesting. So we're going to start somewhat unusually, our first reading. I'm going to give two or three readings, and then we've got two or three little video clips, and then hopefully I'm going to wrap it up and not end up in a muddled heap at the end. But the first reading is actually Joseph. It's about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And it's about the visitation he had by an angel when he found out his fiance was preggy, and it wasn't him, it wasn't him, that was a tough one. So let's just look at this reading, it'll come up on the screen, if you've got a Bible, turn with me, or a smart device, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24, and if you would like a Bible, if you haven't got a Bible, I'm not saying you've got a whole collection and you want to see whether or not the one we've got is different, because if so, you'll have that one. No, I'm not talking about that, but if you'd like a Bible this Christmas time, just go to the welcome desk, and we'd love to give you one, just as a, a gift, a gift from God. And so this reading then, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, goes like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her Quietly, bless him. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. He will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is, this is centuries prior to that. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah chapter 7. Emmanuel, God with us. I just want to pause on that for a moment because this is where I'm still chewing on this. And this isn't new, but it's just God is opening up a new aspect. You know, the story of Jesus is familiar to many, many who aren't followers of Jesus, but they know the story of the babe born in Bethlehem and what a wonderful story it is too. And we've celebrated that already in this place in so many ways through the kids' nativities, and you've probably been along to schools and all sorts of stuff like that, but it isn't a kid's story. 
It's a blessing to the kids, and they love it. But the, the, the real thing that is impacting me is this Emmanuel thing. God with us. God with us. God with us. It's an extraordinary truth. And by God with us, it doesn't mean God on our side. It doesn't mean that we can go and do all sorts of nonsense and say, well, God is with me. Chris said so. It is really more about God being present with us. We're not separated from God anymore. And before you come into that, what we call a relationship with Jesus, before we come to Jesus and, and ask him for forgiveness, and before we come to Jesus and ask him to, to just take our lives and use it for whatever, which is basically the call that is upon every man and woman's life to be with God. That's the gateway. That's the way in. You know, before you do that, the whole idea of God being with us is just nonsense. It's, it's that God isn't with me. If God is with me, why didn't I get that job last week? Or if God is with me, why didn't I do this? Or, you know, you know God is not a lucky charm. So when I say, and when we say, and when the scriptures talks about God with us, it's not about, you know, you've got, you've got the edge. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you may well have trouble. <laughs> But do not fear, because I have overcome trouble. It is really about God being present with us. And actually, Moses, and many of you will be familiar with his name, when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, there was a point, there was a moment where a real crisis developed. And in that, in that moment, You know what? Bless your heart. If he, if he settles down, keep him in. Still, lady's taking him out. You, you know, I don't really want you to have to do that, but, but anyway, just give him a big round of applause. Bless their hearts. It's tough being a mum. Bless your heart. If he settles down, bring him back in. I just love having him in, but I can't, can't, I can't even think. Yeah. When my grandkids come over, I. You know, I just sort of sit there with this sort of fixed grin on my face. <laughs> I feel like someone just hit me over the head with a piece of two before, you know. <laughs> anyway, what happened? What am I doing up here? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm preaching. That's right, yeah. Yeah, God being present with us. So there's this crisis time in the story of, of Israel's deliverance from bondage where... Um, God says to Moses, he says, I'm sick and tired of these people. You know, I've delivered them. I've, they've come out decked in gold and silver and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I'm sick and tired of them. M Moses, set yourself apart because I'm going to destroy these people and I'm going to start with you, son. You've been faithful in it all. We'll start again. It's not a problem to me. We'll do that. And Moses, bless his heart, he falls on his face before God and says, don't do that. God, remember who you are. Now, God knew perfectly well who he was. He was testing Moses, actually. He said, God, don't do that. Think of your reputation. Don't let it be said that you, you, did, you, know, you didn't deliver these people. You just brought them out to destroy them. Don't let that happen, Lord God. 
Anyway, the conversation goes on, and finally God relents, and, and all the time, you know, it's as if God is scowling at Moses, because he really wants to see what is on Moses' heart. But all the time, when Moses isn't looking, it's like the Lord is leaning back and saying to the angels, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my heart in that man, that's my boy. And finally, Moses says, are we good now? Are we good? Are good? You're not going to kill anyone? No, no you're not. We're good, are we? Are we good here? And the Lord says, we're good, we're good. And so then the Lord says, okay, well, you, you, you head off over there and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll catch you up. He says, Lord, don't do this thing. You have to go with us because it is your presence, you being with us that makes us distinctive. God with us. That's the difference. It's not the donuts, the 250 people coming for dinner, the worship, the whatever. It is God with us. And so I've been thinking about this, I've been sort of chewing on this, and I found myself sort of you know, um, just really uh, beginning to get into this. And, you know, I was struck by the, the titles that, that Mark read out. Let's just look at those actually again. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I'm not going to do the whole reading, which Mark did, but I just want to read this out. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It'll come up on the screen. It says this, and this is just beyond the prophecy about the virgin and the child, but it goes on like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. This, of course, is talking about Jesus, several hundred years before he was born. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, God has many titles. The Lord Jesus has many titles. But here there are four titles. I'm not going to spend time on them, but simply going to ask this question. Why do you think God's idea of a savior entailed him being or, or meant that he would be to us a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace? I'll answer it. The reason those are the titles those are the things that God emphasizes is because that's what we need. You know, uh, I'm going to get, I hope I'm going to get a few Christmas presents. I hope, like you, that those presents will be nice. But if somebody gives me a pair of green tights, I will be upset. I have no use for green tights. I don't know what I would do with them. I do not need green tights. I'm seeing a lot of people going, talking to their wives, saying, we've got to go out and get Chris something else and those green tights. You know. <laughs> what were we thinking of? You know, there will be some surprises amongst the presents. There may be some disappointment. I hope that everything that you've asked the Lord for, you will receive. But the truth of the matter is, I, nobody's going to give me green tights. I'll probably get flooded with them now, won't I? <laughs> Nobody's going to give me green tights because I don't need them, much less want them. Why does God give us a wonderful counselor, a mighty God? Stefan's story, wonderful. 
an everlasting father, a prince of peace. Why? Because we need one. That's what we need. And I was dwelling on that after Mark's great preach last week. And as I was dwelling on that, I thought to myself, wow. And it was, that was for me where the, 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 you know, the, the, the theater curtains opened a little wider and I saw it a little bit more. I saw that. And I thought, all these years I've been walking with you, Jesus. And I've known about this and I've celebrated this and I've preached on But somehow it's going from my head to my heart. Something new is happening. And then I started thinking, wow, all of that? How's that going to come? That ought to come with great fanfare. And indeed, in the shepherd's story, I guess we hear great fanfare. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The angels sing that song of heaven because Christ is born. Pun? Christ is born. What? Christ is born? Why doesn't he come riding over the hill on a great white charger with lightning in his hair? How he comes is as a baby. How he comes is the weakest, the most fragile. Not born in the palace as we know. Born in a stable because there was no room for him in the inn. And as I'm thinking about this and finding myself invited into a new place of wonder by the Holy Spirit, I find myself wondering what it must have been like to be, Moses, uh, to be Joseph and Mary, knowing that they were going to be parents to our mighty Savior. I've got a little film clip which touched me. Let's just, this is the first of three. Thank you. Let's just run that. Just another couple of teenagers dealing with a, an unplanned pregnancy. Full of fear and trepidation. In fact, you don't have to be a teenager and pregnant to be full of fear and trepidation. Full of hope, yes, full of wonder, full of joy, full of gratitude. But just wondering what that's going to be like, trying to anticipate that. But for Mary and Joseph, Mary in particular, what must it have been like to, to be carrying our mighty Savior? And wouldn't you just wonder whether you could teach him anything? Would you wonder whether he would be a bit of a brat? Three years old saying, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've just got to interrupt you there. No, uh, um, I, I shouldn't really say anything, but you know, when I was there creating the... Uh, can, can we just chill out a little bit here? Mum, Dad, respect, respect, but... Uh, I'm just going to go and lengthen this sheep's leg now. What was he going to be like? It says in the scriptures, we do get a clue. When he was 12 years old, they took him to the temple. I guess that was probably for a great celebration of coming of age. 
And during that time, he, he got lost. There was a lot of people there. And they thought, Mary and Joseph thought he was friends, just with friends, you know, these kind of things happen. But later in the day, they realized that he was lost. And when they found him, they found him in the temple, and he was debating, bless his heart, with the teachers of the law. And the teachers of the law were wowed by the wisdom and insight that this precocious, I guess that's how they saw him, precocious young man uh, was coming out with. And, you know, Mary and Joseph were a little bit miffed. And they said, why didn't you tell us? What we, where have you been? We've been hunting for you for three days. And he said, I had to be in my father's house. Good answer. But the scripture then says, but he went back home with them and was subject to them. Wow. I don't think Jesus was a difficult child. I think he was unusual. But then isn't every child? Every child is unique. But back to the story. So Moses, you know, Joseph and, and Mary, they're pregnant. They're wondering what this is going to be like. And then, of course, you know, the baby is born. I've got another film clip. We have to mark that in this slightly random story I'm telling you. Thank you. Let's watch the second video. So what I'm struggling to communicate is not just the baby born in Bethlehem, savior of the world, which is probably his highest accolade, I don't know, certainly for us, but I'm trying to communicate just who God with us is and the incredible wonder that he should confine himself within the Mother Mary. Once we begin to grasp, not just that we're saved, but that God is with us, and once we begin to receive the Savior on his terms as a wonderful counselor, as a mighty God, as an everlasting Father, as a Prince of Peace, it is truly life-changing. I've said it many times before, but we want to keep Jesus in the manger, in the stable, in Bethlehem, where we can confine and control him. But that's not who he is. That's not what God intended. You know, as I've wrestled with this and prayed about this and researched this, I came across a, a final video clip. And this, this is a, an excerpt from a sermon that was delivered on Christmas Eve about 150 years ago, 1853, something like that. And uh, he was regarded, and still is by many, as the prince of preachers. So I've... I've called upon some pretty heavy-duty help here. But as he eulogizes, as he enthuses about God with us, it's my prayer that you will all of you get more than you bargained for when you came to this first light Christmas carol service. You will get 
a fresh revelation of God's extraordinary love for you. I'm going to stay here to wind up in just a moment and perhaps the band can come up quietly while the video is showing, but thank you, let's, let's just run this. It is my prayer that you know the gift of God, which is Jesus. It's my prayer that you know Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the first thing I want to say to you is that every single one of us has been in that place at some point. And this is a church where we see people coming to know Jesus as Savior on an almost weekly basis. So you're in the right place. And can I encourage you to, well, just to ask God to forgive you. And may I encourage you to make room in your heart and life and invite him in. But my prayer also is in this year where we said right at the beginning that we sensed that God was telling us that this was a year in which we were coming of age. Do you remember? Right back there in January. As we grow up, as we come of age, we have to make room in our hearts for Jesus to be Lord. For him to be himself. To be Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We need to submit and bend the knee just as those three kings bent the knee and make room in our heart and our lives for Jesus. For God reaches down and wants to be with us. Amen. Buddy, just stand. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this, in this church, in us, you would find room to be yourself. Lord God, we, we desperately need the Savior born as a baby. We need to embrace him and make room in our lives for him. But we need to know who he is. He will grow. It's the way of things. And we must allow him to grow up to be our Lord and not just our Savior. And so Jesus, at this time and in this place, and for whoever will say the amen with me at the end, I say, Jesus, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my life. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, God.